Now we want to return to Galatians chapter 3. In verse 21, Paul asked the question, Is the law against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given which could make alive, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture consigned all things to sin, that what was promised to faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Paul has been writing here in this chapter that the eternal inheritance comes by promise, not by law. There was a problem in that church in Galatia. Jewish teachers were trying to impose the law on the people that God saved by grace and wanted to live by grace. Whenever anyone regards both the law and the promise as means of obtaining eternal life, then he makes the promise and the law as opponents. You can't have it by promise if you get it by law. Now keep in mind that each of these had a purpose. The law's purpose was to convince men of their sin and to control them. And the promise had a purpose of saving them from sin through Christ. There is an eternal law of sin and death. Listen to Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free of the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Notice that it said, in us. The law is fulfilled in us. How? By faith in Christ Jesus. And by faith in Christ Jesus, we are freed from the law of sin and death. Faith in Jesus Christ does that? Yes, because there is a promise. We are children of promise. Now, you don't get eternal life by law. You get it by promise. Faith in Christ accomplishes that. But faith in one's ability to keep the law results in something else, death. Only the Spirit can give life, and nowhere is the Spirit said to give life to lawkeepers. That would be contrary to the principle of promise. The law defined the sin, but could not cure it. I think of the law as something very similar to your bathroom scale. When you stand on that scale, it tells you if you have a problem. But that bathroom scale is without power to solve the problem. It can't help you a bit. Likewise, the law. It tells you what your problem is. It tells you how you have failed to live a holy life and to keep the word of God. But the law can't help you. There's no power in the law. The power is in the Spirit. Now I want to point out a comparison which illustrates the weakness of law. I'm comparing 
man under law and man under promise. And if you're taking notes, you may want to write this under two columns. First, under law, man got no help. But under the promise, the Spirit helps him. Under the law, he had no power. But under promise, as Christians, we are given power, the Spirit's power. Under law, we were limited by sin. But under promise, we have liberty in Jesus Christ. Under law, men behaved under motivation of fear. But under the promise, and I suppose I can say, I'm now talking about people in the church, our behavior is motivated not by fear, but by love. That's the new commandment which has taken the place of the old commandments. And that new commandment is expressed by Jesus in John chapter 13, and he gave it to his disciples the night before he was crucified, when he said, A new commandment I give unto you. Keep in mind that they were Jews. They had been under the law. They had been under the commandments of Moses. But now he's coming and telling them just before the cross experience a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Now, are we going to live by love or by law? Are we going to do things because we're afraid or because we love? Are you going to help people according to the new commandment? Or are you going to live according to Moses' commandment? Because you have to do things. If you are a woman, do you cook good meals because you have to or because you love your spouse? And if you are a man, do you do things around the house because you have to or because you love your wife? You see, there's a great difference in the motivation here. And the motivation determines the, the zeal with which you will do something and the joy with which you will do it. Have you wondered about why Paul wrote the words, in verse 21 of Galatians 3, make alive. He said, if there had been a law given which could make alive, those words are an appropriate translation, seeing as men are dead in sin and death reigns over them. They, of course, need to be made alive. And if you haven't been made alive by faith in Christ Jesus, then you are spiritually dead. The Bible tells us that when God declares a person righteous through faith, that person is made alive and he, as a consequence, gets eternal life. Having life and having righteousness are synonymous. If you have eternal life, you are righteous before God. He declares it. That's the way he sees you. You may not act it. But God chooses to look at you as righteous because his son was righteous and you dared to believe in his son, the righteous one. Now, how much righteousness does the believer have 
as much as the person in whom he trusts. God does this. He imputes to you the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now we come to verse 22 of Galatians 3, where Paul writes, But the scripture consigned all things to sin, that what was promised to faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believed. The word consigned in the Revised Standard Version is a technical term for locking up and putting someone in detention. The same word is in verse 23, and there it's translated, kept under restraint. Let me read that next verse. Now, before faith came, we were confined under the law, kept under restraint until faith should be revealed. In the New American Standard Version, as well as the authorized version, the translation of this word is shut up. We were shut up. What Paul is expressing here is that the the scriptures have left no escape from the detention of the law. It enclosed man on all sides, and it declared him guilty. He was in a prison, so to speak, under divine displeasure and justly condemned. The only hope was a divine rescue. The locked-up state of man called for a deliverer, and God, by his grace and mercy, sent one. He sent the Christ to deliver us. Isaiah called him the deliverer, In chapter 59, verses 1 and 2. Now, who can be set free? Galatians 3.22 says it. Those who believe. Think of it. Those who believe, not those who believe and keep the law and try to be good and go to church. The verse again says, verse 22, But the scripture consigned all things to sin that what was promised to faith in Christ Jesus might be given to those who believe and nothing more than believe. Those who believe get new life when the judge of heaven and earth gives them his righteousness. Several years ago, I became impressed with how God's word associates the spirit with freedom, but never does it associate the spirit with the law of Moses. When I teach this passage, I like to put a circle around Israel indicating it has been locked up when, starting in the 14th century B.C., when God gave the law, it put Israel under bondage. Now, those are not words of my own choosing. Peter and Paul both use the word bondage in reference to the law. But now, since they were locked up and in bondage, Somehow, something had to be paid to get them freed. Well, that's where Christ comes on the scene. He dies on the cross for their sins and everyone else's sins. He pays the penalty to set them free. And once he does it, then they can be freed by the one who came to free them. And God sends the Spirit to everyone who believes. And those people then who trust in Jesus Christ, receive the Spirit, and are in liberty 
Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Becoming a Christian is not trying to be good in order to be accepted. Becoming a Christian is being set free of the law and being given the spirit of liberty in Christ Jesus. The Bible can be a complicated book unless you get good orientation so that you understand the difference between law and grace and law and the promise and Israel and the church. Our set of tapes called Understanding the New Testament was designed to clarify those kinds of problems. If you haven't heard those tapes, you are missing a real treat and some necessary orientation. You can get information about our teaching tapes by writing to the Radio Bible Course. You may be one of those persons who was reared in Sunday school and was taught the Ten Commandments and perhaps concluded that if you live by the Ten Commandments, then you would get to heaven. The commandments are good and holy and righteous because of their author, God, the creator of heaven and earth. But he did not give the law to save, as Paul writes. If there had been the law given, which could have given life early, righteousness would have been by the law. The Bible repeatedly tells us that we are saved by grace through faith, not by works of the law. If you have misunderstood the law, we think you will benefit greatly by reading our free booklet on grace. Write for a copy today. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.